You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Lied to Me is a film that chronicles an attractive young couple's open relationship as it's stretched to the breaking point when they find themselves falling in love with other people. With us today is John Stuart Muller, the director of Lie to Me, whose film explores universal issues of honesty, jealousy, commitment, maturity, understanding, and ultimately our capacity for love. Lie to Me will premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival Saturday, April 26th at 6 p.m. John Stuart Muller... Welcome to Film School. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Great. I, boy, that, what a great song you just played there. I'd <laughs> love to see the movie that yeah. song was in. Well, coincidentally, <laughs> it, it happens to be uh, the, the scroll music for, for Lie to Me. That's a great soundtrack you have. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you're very proud of that. Oh, well, totally. Well, sound, music's always been important to, to me for the movie. It's like a lifestyle picture. We're trying to capture late 20s, early 30-something, kind of quarter-life a little bit beyond the point in life, people's life where they're settling down and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, music is always, I think, an important part of everybody's life. For me, it was getting the whole vibe of these characters and that sort of thing. And so we never looked at having a score. I always looked at it just being a bunch of source music. Yeah. Um, and so we got a bunch of different bands. It took a lot of work. I mean, my producer, Laura, I mean, she, you know, and, and our, we had our music supervisor, Vicki Hyatt. Yeah. Uh, and Stephanie Sanditz. Vicki Hyatt's done Michael Mann movies and things like that. And she just really related to the script. She loved the concept and things like that. So she kind of came on to it through our editor, who had also worked on, uh, I think, Miami Vice and Collateral. That's so why we were thrilled to have Vicki on she started getting us access to all these great songs, but, you know, it, it just it's a lot of legwork yeah. um, to secure things. But the one thing that was really great is Vicky introduced us to Nick Urata, yeah. who is the uh, front man for Devotchka, best known for the Little Miss Sunshine soundtrack that, uh, you know, everybody loved. And I think it got a Grammy nomination yes. a couple years ago. And so this is kind of his first full, I think he's done some commercials and some things in between, but this is his first full feature score, so to speak, since then. I mean, he, he did three kind of full songs for the film, and then, uh, you know, a bunch of different score elements throughout, interlaced, of course, with all the source music. Well, just uh, as a fan, uh, the latest CD that Devotchka put out is very mm-hmm. good as well, so I'm just going to throw in a plug, yeah. yeah. Like, crossing our fingers that he could make it to the premiere, because they're playing at Coachella, but I think they're playing, like, literally, like, an hour before the movie screen, so <laughs> yeah. it would have to be, a, like, a, uh, if they kick a jetpack or something to get down to the yeah, festival. I see, so. that, but, well, you can take a helicopter. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, those rock stars. Yeah. How did the process with Vicki Hyatt work? Did she make up a CD for you? And, and uh... it, It's interesting because I, I come from commercials, and, and so in commercials, my job is to kind of like figure out something, you know, as a director. I'm like, okay, well, this song can work, but we don't have the budget for it, so can we do something similar to the... And so when it got time to do the feature, I was uh, we'd had some experience kind of trying to hunt down songs and things. So Laura and I, uh, Laura, my producer, we knew not to use U2 and the Beatles and things like that. Uh, <laughs> but, so then, but we weren't sure exactly how to go about negotiating. And, and then if, if we weren't able to get a band that you know, we wanted to use, if we could find other stuff, like because we're so busy doing the rest of the movie, I came into it with like a temp soundtrack. Every filmmaker does that nowadays is yeah. they put their like dream soundtrack together. You know, we actually got a number of the songs from that purely because I think Vicky championed the film to such a degree and she would tell us what to do. She would give calls to the record labels. Most of the bands are indie bands too, so yeah. I can't wait for if they 
I mean, I don't think really anybody's seen the movie, so I can't wait for them to see the movie. Yeah. Um, and so I think a few of them are actually coming to the premiere, which will be cool to hear. But she's just such a fun gal. It's tough to describe Vicky. I mean, she's just she's, she's a character, and she, and she just loves music so much. She's at concerts every day and things like that. And she would just find us cool stuff. If I make suggestions, she would make suggestions. It was a really collaborative, creative process. I'm just going to throw in a plug for our, our beloved radio station. The soundtrack looks like a playlist from KUCI, to oh, be honest. Awesome. Yeah, so if you're, ever, if you're ever dialing around, it checks us out. We're speaking with the director of Lie to Me, John Stuart Muller, about his film and the premiere, upcoming premiere here at the Newport Beach Film Festival. Now, the film itself, you're, you've produced it with Laura, is it Borisma? Borisma, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, she's more than just a producer for you, isn't she? Yeah, well, Laura, well, Laura and I, we, we've uh, kind of been working together, I guess. We started our company in 2000. I've known her about a year before that. We actually met um, in film school. I was a senior. She was a junior. I was her recording arts TA. I was mm-hmm. basically like, got her to work on my final film for uh, free. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I think she got, uh, she's still got a B in the class, and she's always mad at me about that. <laughs> but uh, So we, I, I think we ended up dating back then briefly, but then uh, kind of broke up, and then started a company together a number of months after that just because it kind of happened and then since then we've kind of just spent every waking minute and stuff together anyway just because we're you know both kind of movie people and and it's like it becomes a lifestyle when you work and live and all this stuff together it helps creatively definitely and Uh and but it also, you know, has its challenges and all that too. So. Well, well, the film itself is a very personal movie. Yes, it's about relationships and about honesty and commitments. I know you've had the question asked before, but how much of the movie is an autobiographical piece? What's interesting is we took, I mean, took personal stuff, but also because we're the same age as the characters, more or less, which is like late twenties, early thirties. So many of our friends have been married and divorced. There are people with kids. There are people without kids. There. Are, people who don't want to settle down or are just out playing the field, and then there's people who got married at 20 and, and now are single again and are, you know, going crazy. And it's been fun for Laura and me because we've been running our company and working and kind of living together, so we're always kind of able to be on the periphery of all this single-life type stuff and mm. seeing people's different ways of dealing with needing to grow up but not necessarily wanting to and, and trying to make it work in different ways. That's kind of what the movie explores, given it, you know, it's only I think, 99 minutes. But, it, you know, so that's only a certain amount of time to really present different types of relationships. We tried to get a, a little selection of, of different options that people choose. Well, you, so. well, in this film, you cover a lot of different dynamics. You've got the boyfriend and girlfriend, the, the, the ex-lovers. Uh, you've got the married couple. You've got siblings within that relationship, uh, within that uh, mm-hmm. circle of friends. And uh, so you, you really explore a lot of different dynamics with the film in terms of, of how people react and interact with now, each other. Now, Luke, the brother... He seems to be the most grounded of them all, or at least the most practical. He is. It's, he's played by Nick Wexler, uh-huh. kind of best known. I think he played Kyle Valenti on Roswell, TV's Roswell, yeah. so he has kind of a fan following. Uh, we actually have a fan letter from Japan, like, sitting right here that I need to give <laughs> to him. Right? It's really funny. Like, uh, we, we were on the shoot, he would get, like, letters from, like, Korea and stuff. It was just great. Yeah. And honestly, it was interesting because Nick was that on set, too. He was kind of the grounding force for everybody because it was a you know as any independent film was a pretty cacophonous mm-hmm. kind of chaotic shoot but what was cool is we were all we uh, we flew the whole cast um I mean, what, what people we didn't cast locally in kansas city missouri which is where we shot where i'm mm-hmm. originally from we flew the rest of the cast out you know, a big bulk of the crew just because they're people we've worked with from film school then through then in, on commercials and things like that uh, kind of flew them out and put them up in kansas city and so as a result, it was kind of this big summer camp type environment, but we also all worked, you know, 16 to 20 hours a day. Yeah. 
for the actors, Nick was kind of the, you know, as he is in the movie, he's, his character is Luke. He's kind of like the anchor, and he was like the one that everybody would kind of go to to, you know, talk about the different kind of dynamics and things that happen. It's interesting. It's interesting how people, how actors, when, you know, you especially when you take them out of the element, you get them out of L.A. or whatever, that they start to adopt the roles that they've kind of been, you know, they've chosen to play. Oh, is that true? So you get them away from their comfort zone. And you find that they really, they become the character. Is that what I, you're saying? I would think so. I mean, it definitely happened on our shoot. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Some of that had to do probably with, you know, us, you know, the way Laura and I set things up. And, mm-hmm. you know, but also I think, it, it, you know, and of course casting. But, but I think it, it kind of gives them an excuse, too, because it's like, well, all I'm doing, I mean, I literally don't have anything else to do here but work on this movie. So let's make my life, you know, and, and it becomes, and it's cool. And I hope that that comes across on screen. I hope that kind of the fun and the energy of that and kind of the dynamic you know, I mean, because it was a fun shoot, uh, stressful, but it was, you know, fun. And I, and I really tried to make it enjoyable for the actors. And I just hope that that comes across on screen, that they seem like they're having a good time. Oh, it, it does. Absolutely. And what reason I was asking you about Lou's character, I, I was wondering uh, between you and Laura, who who is the the uh, the anchor there? Who is the steadying force? The, oh, the one well, of the... and, uh, definitely Laura, because I'm, oh, right? I'm, I'm a little more... Uh, I'm a little more chaotic than that. She's, oh. and she's a producer. I'm, I'm the, uh, I guess, the, the director. I'm, I'm obviously the crazy one. You're the wild-eyed uh, artistic type, is that? Well, yeah, I guess <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Now, we're speaking with John Stuart Muller, and the film is Lied to Me. You talked about Kansas City, and there's some great, great scenery around there. I, I know you, or at least I read that you guys all stayed in one place when you shot this. We did. It's a, there was a place called the Library Lofts in downtown okay. Kansas City. Um, what was kind of cool is because I, I left Kansas City in 1995 to come out to, to go to, to school out here in L.A. just because I wanted to make movies, and, and it's, you know, and, and you can do it there, but it's just kind of tough. But there is a film community there, and, and we, you know, uh, accessed them as, as much as we could. Um, the kind of older guys have done a lot of, like, commercial work and stuff like that, so we couldn't afford them. <laughs> but, uh-huh. we, but we got a lot of the people who had the young, the energy and stuff like that are willing to kind of work for a reduced rate or, or just a few days here and there and things like that. And so they, and that kind of enthusiasm really, really helps. And mm-hmm. I think every, you know, every independent filmmaker kind of knows that. If, if, if you get enthusiasm, it makes up for experience, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, we put everybody up at the library lofts, which they gave us kind of a great deal because what's going on with downtown Kansas City, I think, is the same thing that most uh, Midwest towns are, are either trying to do or, or have done, where they kind of, have, since all the industry left and went to the suburbs and, and things like that, the downtowns, of most, a lot of the cities have kind of died down. And so uh, Kansas City has this big burgeoning art scene. They have giant galleries all over an area called the Crossroads, which is just just south of downtown, a, a few blocks, like on like 19th Street. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's this big, it used to be the train yards where they would, you know, have freight, and now they just have the, all these big empty warehouses, and they turn them all into galleries. And so are we kind of set the, you know, the whole aesthetic of the film and kind of this milieu of, of mid, the Midwest. We didn't really specify Kansas City in the film, though if you're from there, you'd recognize, you know, yeah. architecture and things like that. We just wanted it to feel like the Midwest, as opposed to, say, L.A. or New York or San Francisco or somewhere where people would expect this type of relationship to be common. For us, um, it was more important to have it be that this could be like anywhere USA, but, you know, still in an urban setting. I, I just think that that helps to make the open relationship thing a little more interesting and not just a fringe yeah. aspect, especially because when we shot there, there were a lot of stories that came out. Like, you know, it's interesting. Like, on the coast, everyone likes to talk about the red states and stuff like that, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, people know how to party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's definitely stuff going on there. This script and shooting yeah. the film, there got a lot of people telling some stories. That must have felt like a party shooting the the film in some ways. It, it was pretty. It was 
pretty fun. Yeah, ever, ever, since we all were living in that same building, yeah, yeah. It was like every night we'd kind of hop from room to room if we weren't <laughs> too dead. Is that uh, building you were staying in, is that in the film at all? Do we see it? I, I'm trying to think. Probably not. Uh-huh. Uh, but we shot right around there. I mean, we shot in the River Market area. You've done a great job of showcasing uh, Kansas City. I want to point out two people in the cast, or in the crew, I should say, that uh, I found that a very impressive-looking film. Your production designer, that would be Carla Marie Rugg, and your cinematographer, Frederick, is it Frederick Schroeder? Frederick, yeah, I, Fred. Did a nice, very nice job. It's a very good-looking film. Well, it's shot in 35-millimeter, yes? Yeah. yeah, Super 35, and that, well, was, that was a blessing. Like, we were, we were, you know, we didn't have the budget for that, but we, what happened is we applied for and did this really thick, fancy application for a Panavision New Filmmaker grant, and they went for it, so we got this free camera. But it was wow. the Panavision Gold 2 camera, I believe, which is about 60 pounds when it's put together. (laughs) And Fred and I had already kind of decided to do the movie entirely handheld, in part for speed, in part to kind of give it the verite kind of quality, and just the kind of typical reason for doing handheld. It feels more real. Fred and I always kind of lean to that. I think there's, for me, it's like it makes the camera kind of a character, and I think that's just just personally engaging to me. Uh, And I know for Fred and the actors, because it was like having another actor there that they had to interact with, but, but poor Fred, who's about 120 pounds soaking wet, he had to carry this 60-pound oh steel block. And it's not even, like, camera-shaped. It's like a big square. Uh, and, and it's like a big lead block. It looks like the Chernobyl box or something. And he's got this thing sitting on his shoulder. And he, I mean, he would do, you know, 12-minute takes. He'd roll an entire roll of film. Wow. And at one point, he's like, I can't do it anymore. We've been shooting, like, 15 hours, 16 hours. And, he's, and I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And I put it on my shoulder and, like, Oh, 10 minutes, all I was doing, I couldn't see what I was looking at. It was just blurry and hazy, and I'm trying to, I was just trying to keep, like, the lights in the frame, like, not, you know, yeah. just trying to avoid the boom and stuff. <laughs> and, like, and I take it off, I got big welts on my shoulder, and Fred is, <laughs> and he's fine. I don't know. We got wow. a couple massages, maybe that. That's yeah, I was going to say, I imagine the chiropractor massage bill for the film. Must <laughs> you know, have been pretty that's big. an incredible accomplishment, yeah. actually. He's, I mean, for, for the shots you got in there, I had no idea he was carrying 60 pounds. No, you that... get all these lightweight cameras these days, and it looks exactly like like that yeah cool it's, that's, it's that's, a, well he'll, he'd love to hear that yeah, yeah. It's yeah incredibly intimate there's a lot of close shots the way it just kind of relaxes into things you know how the camera settles down into a shot rather than <laughs> is stiff as, as well it begins. It, oh, cool. and, those, a great and, job. and those scenes where uh, the scene uh, where they're playing poker which is a lot of cut, cutaways you know back and forth mm-hmm. so that must have yeah. killed the poor that man was, <laughs> that was one of the few shots where he was on a dolly but he was still hand holding it but he was sitting in a chair on a dolly oh, good. i think we did like three or four where we, he would like stand or sit on a dolly and we move it around Oh, but but that yeah. was you know that kind of Tarantino type shot where you just go around in circles. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it ended up being fun. I, I think actually he because he was sitting down, he was okay with that one. <laughs> yeah, I bet he was, and he's in the shape of his life right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking with John Stuart Muller, and the film is Lied to Me. Are you referencing any films in there? Would you be? Talking to Woody Allen at all in this, or, or oh, that's, well, that's nice of you to say that. Yeah. I, I, that's flattering. I know I, I would in a, a little bit. I mean, we don't have kind of the New York. My mom loves Woody Allen movies because she. Oh, I should say hi, mom too, because I think she's listening. Right. But uh, <laughs> but she loves Woody <laughs> Allen because growing up in Kansas City for her and for me, the New York kind of intellectual scene is so foreign, and so it's fun to watch those because you get to hear them say all the dialogue and stuff like that. And so we don't have as much of that, I, I think, but we definitely have kind of the, the banter and the back and forth. And as far as the relationship, I mean, husbands and wives is a huge influence on this film, both stylistically because it was all handheld, and, right. and 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 hopefully in some of the truth that it tries to get out. I, I think you know we dealt with you know, younger characters, but I'm sure when we when our characters get to the same age as uh, Woody yeah. Allen, you know, and his guys, uh, <laughs> it'll they'll be talking about more serious stuff, but still doing the same 
inept things that everybody does in their relationships, no matter what age you're at. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, speaking of serious, do you ever feel numb? Me personally? Or yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just quoting right out of the film here. <laughs> and there, there's the one, the one scene, and I forget her name. She's a sister. Shoshana, and I th- yeah, I th- that's Shoshana I th- Bush. And yeah, she plays Shoshana. Olivia. Yeah. Olivia. Yeah, to me, that is a turning point in the film. Because that's, that's a really that's a great scene. So yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. She, she's asking. Uh, that was uh, Courtney Ford playing yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah, Sam. The main, the main, yeah. The main do you ever film. feel numb? And and it seemed like a lot of these people in this film are numb to a lot of things at particular moments in their lives. They're they're really lit up a lot of the time. But and I'm not saying that their acting is numb, but oh, their, no. their reactions are are. Uh, aren't exactly uh, in sync with what's really happening around them. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's exactly kind of right. And, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with, I mean, the film's about people kind of pushing conventions and not settling for things. And I know that, you know, one of the themes that I was going at with the film was a kind of a, and I know this is kind of the Mason, the main guy uh, mm-hmm. who's in the open relationship, his um, kind of situation is... He's always struggling to try to feel or, or try to be in the moment to such a degree that, that it, when the more you for it's that whole thing of the more you try, the more, uh, the more you want something, the harder it is to get it, kind yes, of thing. Right. I, I think maybe, and so uh, I mean I don't know. There's a, it deals with a lot of different stuff. So I, you know, and I, you know, I, I, my actors had views, I had ideas, and then I hope the audience comes away with different things. So I don't want to put ideas in anybody's head about it. But I think yeah, definitely. Uh, I think everybody kind of goes through points where they're like. You know, whether they're in a regular, normal relationship uh, or or in some kind of alternative type of thing, I think people often feel, in, in real life, people often aren't necessarily engaged, but they're just kind of going through the motions. I want to ask you about the casting of the film. Um, I noticed that looking into this, their backgrounds, that uh, I don't want to lump them all together, but most of them were predominantly a television background. Mm-hmm. Was there something about them as actors, their approach? Is there a thread that kind of pulled those well, people together? Uh, Joanna Colbert um, is our executive producer, and Rich Minto, our casting director, they, they're, they're both, um, they work together uh, as casting directors. So when we got, when, we, when Joanna got the script and, and Rich and her read it, they kind of liked it because to them it was like, let's, we have to put together like an ensemble, you know, friends type cast, you know, but hopefully with a little more depth and, <laughs> yeah. and, and some more sexiness to it. We would bring people in, and we'd have meetings and that sort of thing. And, and I love I love casting because I just I love working with actors, and yeah. and and they're also great. And and, and it's I, I could never do it, boy. They have more guts to come into a room and <laughs> do lines and things. It's like man, I couldn't. Right. Uh, it's, it's just so cool. And I and I know you know no matter who came in, I, I would work with them. And you know because even if it's not if they're not right for this project, it's something found a line or it's just an honor to you know work with anybody. I never really thought about the whole TV thing. I think it's just nowadays there's just it's such. There's just more TV work than than film work, and I think for well, there's um, there's so many dramas on television now. Now you've yeah. got cable, you've got uh, Fox, and everybody or FX, and so many of the cable stations are now doing first run you know, feature type of yeah, some of the, yeah. some well, of the mean, best I, one of the things that I think the yeah. actors and they they said this yeah. too, especially like Nick, who was on a series for a number yeah. number of years, um, is that what was kind of fun is. Because on TV, the writer, you know, kind of, you, you have to do the script, and there's not really much deviating from the script on scripted dramas and stuff like that. And, and with ours, it's since Laura and I were right out there on set, uh, and, I, and I just wanted it to feel real, I was totally fine with, you know, the actors doing improv and things like that if, if it helped the scene and that sort of thing, just because, you know, I, I, 
the floor in my script. That we could basically, you know, yeah. veto what they were doing. So as a result, I think sometimes they, you know, it costs a little too much. We'd have to reel them in or, or, <laughs> or, or different things. But most of the time, that really added to the scenes, and I think it helped to make them all feel really comfortable. And plus, we were able to do it. You know, we, we, I would primarily, if I, when, I, when I could, when we could afford it, we'd do, like, long, full takes of the scene and stuff like that. And, and I think that helped them all to kind of get in the flow of it. And I think that's yeah. something that on TV they don't get as much a chance to do just because yeah. everything's, you know, just do a couple takes, get what you need, and that's that. And, and yeah. this, you know, had more of kind of a organic vibe to both the shooting and I think how it turned out, which hopefully, you know, worked yes. out. Well, you're shooting a Super 35 during all this, too. Mm-hmm. So that's, did you ever feel like, don't improvise so much? Uh, well, <laughs> I, it's, it's interesting because, like I said, I come from commercials, um, and, and so I'm used to kind of working, and, and we, we would always fight for film, and I, I love high def too, but there's, you know, I, I, I still, and I don't know what it is. I, I wish I could describe it because I, sometimes I see stuff and it's like, amazing. like I think Miami Vice, which was shot on a bunch of different formats, but there's, there's some, the new, the new one, the movie, but visually it was just such a stunning movie. You could, that was the first time I ever saw night look like night actually looks with like the purple sky and, and yeah. lightning and things. And, and, you know, and I don't know how much that was digital effects, but some of that was digital stuff. So I know that digital cameras can do really cool things, but you know, in our case, we've shot enough kind of 35 commercials that we had to fight for. So Fred and I had a lot of experience kind of shooting film, which I think was a, was a plus and, and a, a kind of a blessing that we had that I think, you know, other filmmakers may not necessarily have. So I, you know, and I hope they get a chance to because it's, it's, it's cool to have the restriction because you're not able to just keep rolling and rolling. Because we've shot, you know, video uh, stuff a lot too, and, and you just tend to roll and roll and roll. Um, and and I, I think there's something kind of fun to only having, you know, 12 minutes a roll and, and you got to get the, uh, <laughs> yeah. you got to get it. <laughs> and, and I think, and only, I mean, like towards the end of it, we were shooting like, we had like, you know, 200 feet left of film and stuff like that, like little <laughs> tiny snippets here and there, like short ends and things. And it was, you know, pretty, and I, but Fred was trying not to tell me because he knows I like my <laughs> long takes, but he's like, look, John, I let, I'll let you know, we are almost out of film. So oh, wow. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. By the way, I don't think we've really uh, touched on this and I think it's, it bears uh, bringing up and, this film does bring the sexy, if you know what I'm saying. There are a lot <laughs> bring, of uh, bring sexy back. That's you're you're bringing the sexy back. It brings sexy back to Kansas City. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very attractive uh, people in this film. And uh, were you aroused, Mike? Is that I have to say that you know this is a very, this is a, this is an, on that level certainly. Are, are you uh, thinking about doing a, another film of this nature, or do you want to turn yeah. away from something like this? I, I, it, it depends. I, mean, I, I love. I mean, Adrian Lyne was a big influence on this movie, both stylistically. I mean, as much as we could afford it, I, we did, we, I don't think we had a good Venetian blind budget and ceiling fan budget, and so we didn't really have <laughs> yeah. a lot of those shots. But, but, uh, it, but as far as like dealing with the kind of moral ambiguities and, and 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 kind of doing sexy stuff, but not in a trashy way, which yeah. I think is is often challenging um, yeah. for filmmakers. But uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not a really an action type director. Intimacy is a big thing. I think that was part of making the actors feel comfortable on set is so that when we did do sex scenes and things like that, um, they they come across natural and comfortable. But as far as yeah, as far as future projects, our actual next movie is that we're, we're developing right now is a, is a cheerleading movie about high school cheerleaders, huh. so <laughs> freshman well, cheerleaders. So yeah. it's uh, it's uh, so it's definitely emotionally <laughs> uh, intimate, but it's uh, I don't think it's, it's it's sexually there. But I think we're we're actually doing that to kind of show that hey, we can also do some stuff that's not necessarily as sexy, but it's still got all the. Got, I mean, the goal of it's to be is be more truthful and honest. It's basically the anti high school musical movie. Okay. I just gotcha. I, there it's been so long since I've seen a good teenage movie that isn't you know bubblegum. Right, um, right, and so you know, it's. I think hopefully this will, you know, 
will be that, but that's you know, a little bit down the line. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here on Film School. The, the film is uh, Lie to Me. The director is John Stuart Muller. Thank you so much for being here on Film School. Thank you guys so much. This is awesome. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at kuci.org slash filmschool.